Warning, viewer discretion is advised as there may be some descriptions that some listeners may find upsetting. Not suitable for younger listeners. Welcome back to the dark side of the Dean. Episode 4, The Disappearance of the Elan Moore Lighthouse Keepers. On the 26th of December, 1900, Captain James Harvey arrived in his ship at the landing platform on the remote Scottish island of Elan Moore, part of the Flannan Isles in the Outer Hebrides. He was carrying a replacement lighthouse keeper called Joseph Moore. The island's only inhabitants at that time were three lighthouse keepers, James Duckett, Donald MacArthur and Thomas Marshall. At least one of the men should have been there to meet the ship, but the landing platform was deserted. Harvey blasted the ship's horn. And fired a flare. No response ever came. But the mysterious and spooky story of Elan Moore starts a long time before that fateful day. The first inhabitants of Elan Moore was a 7th century Irish bishop who later became Saint Flannan and his followers. They built a chapel on the island and lived there for a time before abandoning the place. There are a number of differing accounts why they left, but some say that they were chased from the island by evil spirits. It has even been said that the island is a portal between our world and the spirit world. After they left, the only visitors to Elan Moor were shepherds who would take their flocks there to graze, but would never spend a night on the supposedly haunted island themselves. That was until 1895, when construction of the lighthouse began. Completed and first lit on the 7th of December 1899, everything seemed mundane until just over a year later, on the 15th of December, 1900. Captain Holman of the steamer Archtor was travelling to Leith in Scotland from Philadelphia, and the route took him past the island. When he noticed that the lighthouse's lamp were not lit, he reported this via wireless. To his employers, the Cosmopolitan Line steamer's headquarters, but they failed to pass the information to the operators of the lighthouse, the Northern Lighthouse Board. Roderick Mackenzie, who worked on the Isle of Lewis, about 20 miles away from Eleanor, was responsible for checking on the light. He also failed to report that the light was not lit. Could there really have been two instances of incompetence that caused the unlit lighthouse to go unnoticed? Or were darker forces at play? as a storm drew in that made the island unreachable until the 26th of December. When no response came to Captain Harvey's horn blast from his ship or the flare they lodged, the captain and relief lighthouse keeper Joseph Moore grew concerned, and this was only heightened when Moore noticed that the relief flag hadn't even been raised on the landing platform. Usually the crew member who was returning to the mainland to be with his family for a few weeks would be eagerly waiting for Moore to relieve them. 
Moore went ashore and headed past the remains of the 7th century chapel up the hill to the lighthouse. He found the door unlocked and no signs of life inside. No fire was lit. At this time of year, one should be burning almost constantly to ward off the damp and cold. The beds appeared to have been unused and every clock in the lighthouse had stopped. When Moore reported what he had found to the ship's captain, three crew members volunteered to stay with him on the island. They found the light to be in full working order and it was relit. The following morning, the four men carried out a thorough search of the island. Captain Harvey headed to the Isle of Lewis and went straight to the telegraph station and sent the following message to the Secretary of the Northern Lighthouse Board in Edinburgh. A dreadful accident has happened at the Flannans. The three keepers, Ducket, Marshall and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane. The following day, Joseph Moore and the volunteers carried out a detailed search of the island, where everything on the east landing, where they had arrived the day before, was untouched. They found that the landing on the west side was in a state of total disarray. A storage box, 108 feet above sea level, was smashed open and the contents were scattered everywhere. Iron railings were misshapen and bent. A metal railway track used to transport large items from the dock to the lighthouse had been ripped from the concrete. A huge rock weighing more than a tonne had been displaced and turf at the top of the cliff, 200 feet above sea level, had been torn up, the damage stretching 33 feet from the cliff edge. Many refused to believe that that amount of damage could have been caused by a storm. Some say the three men were dragged to a watery grave by a giant sea monster. Or the island was attacked by a pirate ghost ship. Others think they were kidnapped by foreign spies. And it has even been suggested that they were abducted by aliens. The 1912 ballad by Wilfred Wilson Gibson called Flannan Isle went like this. Yet... As we crowded through the door, we only saw a table spread for dinner, meat and cheese and bread, but all untouched and no one there. As though, when they sat down to eat, ere they could even taste, alarm had come, and they in haste had risen and left the bread and meat, for at the table head a chair we tumbled on the floor. In Flannan Isle, Gibson believed a supernatural force overcame the three men and turned them into seabirds. Gibson was inspired by Joseph Moore, who had seen three strange black birds watching him from a rock as he landed. The birds then took off into the air and dived noisily into the swirling sea. On the 29th of December, 1900, the man who had originally employed the missing men and who knew them personally, Superintendent of the Northern Lighthouse Board, Robert Muirhead, arrived on the island to carry out the official investigation into the disappearances. 
he discovered that two of the men's outdoor jackets were gone from the lighthouse, but one remained hanging on its hook, leading him to conclude that James Duckett and Thomas Marshall had left the lighthouse during a storm to go to the western landing, and at some point, Donald MacArthur had left in heavy rain and strong winds in just his shirt sleeves, noting that whoever left last was in breach of NLB rules. Muirhead described the damage to the landing area as Difficult to believe unless actually seen. From evidence which I was able to procure, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up till dinner time on Saturday the 15th of December, that they'd gone down to secure a box in which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc. were kept and which was secured in a crevice about 110 feet above sea level, and that an extra large sea had rushed up the face of the rock, had gone above them and coming down with immense force had swept them completely away. But the mystery surrounding the disappearance deepened further years later when strange logbook entries emerged in an American magazine in 1920 that it claimed were made by Thomas Marshall in the days leading up to the disappearance. According to the log on the 12th of December, he wrote that there had been severe winds the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. He also noted that James Duckett had been very quiet and William MacArthur had been crying. William MacArthur was an experienced seaman and was well known on the mainland as a tough brawler. An account in the logbook for the 13th of December said that the storm was still raging and that the three men had been praying. The final entry on the 15th of December, simply stated, Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. While the validity of the logbook entries has been disputed by some experts, Muirhead's official report also mentions a storm in the lead-up to the disappearances. But the weather in the area on those three days was recorded as calm on the Isle of Lewis with an unobstructed view of Aylan Moor. With no storm being recorded, until December the 17th. Captain Harvey later claimed that he thought the men went missing on the 20th of December due to the stopped clocks and large storm that day. But this doesn't account for the unlit lamp spotted by the captain of the steamer five days previous to this. One popular theory is that MacArthur murdered his two colleagues before committing suicide by throwing himself from the cliff but no evidence has ever been found to support this claim. Subsequent lighthouse keepers have reported hearing the voices of the missing three being carried on the wind during the storms. Recently, a memorial plaque bearing the names of the men has been erected on the shoreline near the eastern landing. Also, the mysterious fate of the three men even inspired an opera, The Lighthouse, which premiered at the Edinburgh Festival in 1980, composed by Sir Peter Maxwell Davies. We may never know what happened to James Duckett, Thomas Marshall and Donald MacArthur. But if the island is home to ancient malevolent spirits who are unwilling to share their realm with the living, then they finally got their wish in 1971, when the lighthouse became fully automated, leaving Elan Moor uninhabited ever since. 
Join us next time in the dark side of the Dean, when we will be looking at the still unsolved murder of Aberdeen taxi driver George Murdoch in 1983. Narrated by Alec Westwood. Captain James Harvey, portrayed by Alistair McCrone. Robert Muirhead, portrayed by Steve Hay. Edited by Richard Skinner. Written and produced by Cliff Hughes. The Dark Side of the Dean.